0: The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Now, Psalm uh, Psalm 126, that's where we're going to be tonight, or today. Uh, Psalm 126. It said that George Frederick Handel composed his amazing musical, The Messiah, in approximately three weeks. And it was apparently done at a time when his eyesight, like Al, was failing and it's an inside thing, uh, was failing, and when he was facing the possibility of actually going to prison. Handel, however, kept writing in the midst of these challenges till the masterpiece, which included the majestic Hallelujah Chorus, was completed. Handel later, later credited the completion of his work to one ingredient. They asked him, you know, what was it that motivated you? And so Handel gave one word. The one thing that he said, that one ingredient that helped him complete his work. Take a guess. Joy. He was quoted as saying that he felt as if his heart would burst with joy at what he was hearing in his mind. Sure enough, listening either to the entire work of the Messiah or all you got to do is listen to the hallelujah chorus and it brings great joy to one's heart. But family, today, joy is hard. Stress, worry, passions, impatience, and unbelief and despair. They all continue to rob Christians today that we, turn, that we then in turn, watch this, we then in turn rob God of the celebration and glory that he deserves. Do you realize that? Do you realize that we as Christians, when we don't walk with joy in our hearts, we are robbing God of the celebration he deserves. He deserves that. You know, when when you do, when you do so, you know, during Christmas season, right? That's like one of the amazing things. Like you, you get a gift, you give the gift to one of your children and man, It's like robbery of my happiness. If I give my child everything that they've ever wanted, they open up and they're just like, oh, thanks, Dad. I'm I'm sure the keys to this Ferrari will bring me much happiness. You're robbing me of the joy that I'm supposed to have by watching you, you know, I, I love those videos of the kids when they, when they get the thing they want. They open it up and then they just throw the box with the, the article of, or whatever it is that's in the box, they just throw it on the ground and they just start running around the house, screaming and yelling and crying, saying, oh my gosh, this is the greatest day of my life. This is the greatest day. Yeah, that's the joy. In, the, in a way, it's the same thing. God has done some amazing things for his people amazing things he gave us his one and only son as the greatest gift that was ever given christians we receive it by the power of the holy spirit and now we have life and life more abundant than we walk around oh hum. are you a christian yeah shouldn't you be happy i am Greatest gift that could ever have been given, and we walk around this way. There's a study that was done on this, and they were, um, they were actually surprised as to how many people who profess to be Christians are yet walking around as if there's no joy in their hearts. Uh, the, the, the response goes, the glum, sour faces of many Christians, they rather give the impression that instead of coming from the Father's joyful banquet, they have just come from the sheriff who has auctioned off their sins, and now they're sorry that they can't get it back again. How are we walking around today? Did we just come from the King, to King's banquet? Or did we just walk away from the sheriff's department with everything taken from us and we can't get it back? It's crazy when we think about all that we have, all that Christ has done, that we would actually walk around this world like we have no joy. Why in the world would a Christian walk around this world as if he had no hope in his life, walking around as if spiritually he's locked in a cage, living with no life, no no peace, crying out no hope? Well, well, if that's the case, then... It's no wonder that we don't have joy. If we have no joy, here's the thing. If we have no joy, do we know why? Is it stress? Is it worry? Impatience? Unbelief? Or we just don't want it? See, here's the thing in our culture today that's starting to become even more and more apparent. You know, the, the accusation of no faith, it still falls in the category of unbelief, not having faith. But I think the reality with our culture today is it's not so much that we don't believe that God will give us things that we need. The reality is, is we don't want what it is that he gives. That's more and more what our, what's happening in our culture today. God wants to give us these things and we look at it and we go, yeah, I don't want it. That's not really what I was asking for. I'm, I'm not needing that. See, you're wanting to give me patience and nah, I don't really want that. Patience isn't going to help me in my life. Patience isn't going to help me achieve the things that I need to achieve. I've got plans for my life, God. I've got plans as to what it is that I'm going to do. And those things that you want to give me, like contentment, you want me to be content in any and every situation? <laughs> Godliness with contentment is great gain? Mm. That's not going to help me achieve my goals. So, this is what happens with Christianity. I think today it's more and more this way. We believe that God is going to give us the things that He promises. Oh, yeah. You know, God promises to give us patience. What develops patience? Trials, tribulations, right? We don't want none of that stuff because we don't really want patience. We want this. We know God's going to give us these things, we just don't want it. We've been asking God for something. We've been asking God to deliver us from the things in this world that are oppressing me and keeping me from being all that I can be. I need God to deliver me from this stuff. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the Jews when Jesus came. They didn't they they wanted the Messiah. Oh, but they wanted the one that was going to deliver them from the Romans not the one that's going to deliver them from sin. Yeah, thank you, God, for the Messiah, but that's not the one we were hoping for. Yeah, 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 sin, sin. Yeah, we don't struggle with sin. We don't have anything to do with sin. What we need help with is we need the David to come and deliver us from the oppression of the Romans. That's the Messiah that we need. Give me that, and I'm good. Give me that, and I'm not. You give me something like that, I'm going to throw it away. You try to give me patience, God, I'm just going to move it aside. You try to give me contentment, I'm going to move it aside. You try to give me all of these types of things, and I'm just not going to go to church anymore. I'm just not going to worship you. I am just going to throw it in the trash because I don't need it. What did the, 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 the Jews do? Oh yeah, you give us that kind of Messiah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to nail him to the cross. That's what we're going to do. It's funny how you see this unfolding. And there's no joy. How can we rejoice in that? We don't want what he has promised. We've become the Ephesian church who has lost its first love. Today in the body of Christ, in modern evangelicalism today, have we lost sight of what it is that we're supposed to do here on earth. We are supposed to declare the wonders of the salvation of the Lord, yet we walk around our culture acting as if we are still in Babylonian exile. We're still captive. We're still in prison. They're still beating us down. The world is still beating us down. That's the thing, family, isn't it? That's the thing. That's the that's that's one of the places we know when where, like my uncle used to say, where the rubber meets the road. This is the harsh thing. Yes, family, our this world is beating us down. This world is waging a war against us. This world is coming after us. It is you can see it. And we're afraid. We're afraid to say it. We're afraid to say what it is that we need to say. We're afraid to stand up for the truth because we're afraid the world is going to cancel us. Family, so what if the world cancels us? Yeah, sure, I can live my life content knowing that the world canceled me as long as I know that my Lord doesn't condemn me. Yeah, fine, close the door to me. In the world, yeah, you want to close the door? Close it. Because I know that the gates of heaven is open for me. We're supposed to declare the wonders of salvation. But people will say, but Shane, come on. I, I, I get it what you're saying, but I'm still serving the Lord. I'm still giving everything that I've got to do what it is that he's called me to do. Yes, I got to go to church this morning. But you know what, I'm going to, with every bit of energy I got, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go. I'm going to listen to Pastor Sheen play that electric guitar. I don't like the electric guitar, but I'm okay with it. I'm going to worship him no matter what. I just, I I just, you know, and after this, I got to, we're going to go and we're going to, you know, uh, give presents to orphans. I guess I'm going to do that too. I don't have the strength to do it. I had a really hard night. You know, I just, I just can't stay awake. I just blah, blah, blah. And then we just go through all this stuff. And, and But you know what? I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to give to missions. I'm still going to. But you know what? Oh, my gosh. It's just so hard. But I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to serve the Lord. I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to serve him without joy in our hearts. Oh, come on, Shane. I'm still doing it. What's the big deal? Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 47 to 48. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 47 to 48. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received... You will serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you. You will be left hungry, thirsty, naked, and lacking in everything. The Lord will put an iron yoke on your neck, oppressing you harshly until he has destroyed you. Family, it's not enough for us to just obey and serve the Lord. If we don't do it with joy and enthusiasm, He is going to judge us for it. Do you see how important this is? you see, remember how we talked about how important peace was last week? Look at how important joy is. You walk through life, even though you are serving God, if you're doing it with no joy in your heart, the Lord will detest it and judgment will come down. Amazing, isn't it? We think we're doing good for the Lord because we're doing His work, but if we have no joy in our hearts, judgment. No hope, no peace, and no joy service to the Lord is deserving of judgment. Family, it is immoral for a Christian to live their lives without any joy. Because, I mean, if you think about it, right? Think about it. God has done so much for us, unless you don't believe it. Right? If you really think about it, He has done so much for us. All the gifts, all the benefits, all the blessings. He's done all of these things for us. But yet we walk without joy? Two things. Number one, we don't believe it. Or number two, we don't want it. Today, when we're struggling with that, that's all we got to think. Think about it. When we're walking and we're walking with no joy, all sour, you know, lips, lip hanging out, you know. Is it because I don't believe that this will happen or he's done this? Or do I not want what it is that he gave? That's, that's common. I've, I've heard that many times individuals telling me, yeah, I'm glad that, that, you know, Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. But you know what? That's, that's years from now. You know, I don't have to worry about that for years. You know, uh, that, that's great to know that I got that in the end. But you know, what about now? You know, what about the stuff that I'm dealing with now? What about all these things? Where is he going to save me from this? When are you going to save me from the creditors? When is he going to save me from the IRS? When is he going to save me from the Democratic slash Republican parties? When is he going to save us from that? That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to see. That's what I'm resting my hope in. Maybe it's because we don't want it. But family, remembering the reason for the season is a great place to start if we want to get our joy back. Psalm 126, um, Psalm 126, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seeds, but they sing as they return with the harvest. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your word. Pray that it will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look at today is the amazing salvation of the Israelites and their unthinkable return to their land and the reaction of the people and the nations. And the last thing we're going to look at is the salvation that we receive is even more than we have seen before. It's called the gospel. So our thesis statement is this. Though sin in the pattern of this world cause the stress the worry and despair that rob us of the wonderful joy in the Lord. It's the truth of the scriptures, the promises of God, the resurrected Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit that will cause us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Point number one, joy remembered. Remember, family, think about it. The Lord has done amazing things for us. This is what I'm just going to maybe go out on a limb here and say, if you're a Christian today, then you agree with this statement. The Lord has done amazing things for us. It's amazing what God has done. And here's the thing, in verse one of this psalm, we find a statement that envisions the works of God and communicates this idea. And I was trying really hard to think about how, I, how from the Hebrew I can make this maybe a little bit more emphatic today. It envisions and it communicates this thing. God has done things that are so amazing, it's too good to be true. It's essentially what he's saying here. What God has done is so amazing that it's too good to be true. The the reason why I say that is because they say that what God has done in bringing the Israelites out of captivity and restoring them into their land to be a nation again, this is unheard of. You don't see this kind of stuff you don't see the people getting released and coming back and being the nation again this is this is just uncommon in the world at the time this is absolutely amazing it's too good to be true that's where the hebrew uh, the, that phrase there where it's being translated in in the scriptures it's like a dream it's so amazing it's so awesome that it's like a dream you know, it's just, it's just funny. Uh, I was hanging out with Sean and Sabrina this, this past, uh, I can't remember. We were talking about, and Ariel, we were talking about dreams. Remember? We had that conversation about dreams. And, you know, dreams are amazing, you know, because remember how I told you that as a child, my goal and my dream in life was to, to play center for the Los Angeles Lakers? I was going to be the next Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That, that was my goal. Okay, but I just, I found out that, you know, I didn't meet the requirements, you know. (laughs) It didn't happen. But here's the thing. I'll tell you what. In my dreams, mm -hmm, I can dunk a basketball in my dreams. You guys ever have those dreams where you can jump super high? It's like Mario. You ever play that game, the Mario Brothers, you know, where you can just jump over everything? I could dunk a basketball. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in my dream and I'm backing him up, you know, moving him out the way and dunking on him and going, yeah. (laughs) Dreams. It's just like a dream. It's essentially what they're saying. God has done things that are so amazing that it's like a dream. It's just too good to be true. We know how our dreams can be. The sensation that we felt when it was too good to be true is what the psalmist is describing to us here to illustrate the beauty and the wonder of this deliverance. The work of God is too good to be true. Spurgeon even writes, is this a dream? Oh, if it be a dream, let me sleep on and do not wake me yet. It's so awesome. He's saying if if this is a dream, I don't ever want to wake up. It's so awesome. The work of the Lord brought a joy that was so much so that they could not contain themselves. And this is where the language of laughter comes in. They couldn't contain themselves where the idea is, it's so amazing, it's so awesome, it's like a dream, and all we could do is laugh. Can't even talk, we can't even have a meeting, we can't even have a a party, we can't even celebrate. All we can do is laugh. The mercy of the Lord in setting them free was so amazing and wonderful that all they could do was laugh and it wasn't just here and there with a little laughter. They were filled with laughter and the expression of joy was not simple speech. But when they're laughing, they're filled with laughter, can't stop laughing. And here's the thing. When I actually have a moment where I could say something, I couldn't even speak it. The only thing I could do is sing it. Man, isn't this picture just absolutely amazing? Like I'm finally able to stop laughing long enough for me to express something and the only thing I can do is do it with singing. Singing. Expressing themselves. Singing to the Lord to express their joy. The too good to be true work of the Lord that has got to be a dream that instilled and filled the people with laughter, with expressions that could only be expressed with joyous singing, was also seen by the surrounding nations. This is where it gets good. This is where it gets better. This is the beauty of this psalm here. These nations had no vested interest at all. No vested interest at all all. They were just spectators. They were simple onlookers and they were so blown away by what the Lord has done for his people that they even celebrated. These people got nothing to do with it. They had nothing to do with it. Nothing. They were just spectators. They're just onlookers. They're just watching what God is doing for his people. They're sitting back there and they're celebrating. Isn't that amazing? They're just spectators, they're onlookers, and they're celebrating. This is what we would say today about people who jump on the bandwagon. You guys remember the first time the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl? Can you guys think back that far? <laughs> I mean, I remember the Denver Broncos... And, you know, and, and for years, right, we struggled, man. How many times did, you know, we go to the Super Bowl, you know, and we get, you know, beat by the Washington Redskins, you know, and that's not supposed to happen. And all these things that happened, you know, and we just kept losing the Super Bowl, losing the Super Bowl. Everybody gave up. But some of us diehards, Connie, right, diehards. We were diehard. We were standing by them. Even though they were losing, we know what's going to happen. We stood by them. And then all of a sudden, it finally happened now, right? It finally happened. The Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl, and this is the thing that's amazing, is we're celebrating, we're having a great time, we're driving on the street honking our horn, all the people that's got, you know, the Denver Broncos things on there, and people who you didn't even know, people who probably didn't even watch the game are celebrating honking their horn and yelling and cheering and clapping onlookers, spectators, you gave up on the Broncos a long time ago and now you're jumping on the bandwagon because it happened. See, idea, spectators, you had nothing to do with it. You probably even shunned the the nation of Israel. You probably made fun of them. You probably were against them in so many different ways. But what the Lord was doing to them was blowing you away that you didn't have a choice but to jump on the bandwagon And to start to celebrate as well. This is what happened. The nations were looking. So awesome that the people were rejoicing, they can't control themselves. They, they, all they have is laughter, and every time they were spoke to speak about it, they were singing, and the nations are looking at this. and now the nations are rejoicing and celebration, and they're acknowledging that what the Lord their God has done is so absolutely amazing. I stand in awe of what has taken place. Essentially, what, what happened here? They became fans of the Lord God of Israel. (laughs) Now how awesome is that? How awesome is that? And how the reaction of the people, then it goes to next to the reaction of the people again. How about the reaction of the people who were delivered? This is what the nations, the the nations that had nothing to do with it, this is how they acted. How would the people act? Oh, you better believe that they would respond with joy. I like the way uh, John Calvin, he writes this. So much the more shameful then was the indifference of the Jews to be accounted if they did not freely and loudly celebrate God's grace, which had acquired so much renown among the unbelieving. How shameful would that be if the nations who had nothing to do with it were celebrating, but when they look at the people who were actually delivered, brought back from slavery, and now everything they had was being restored. Their nation is being restored, and they're walking around. Oh, thank the Lord. I was set free. Yep, I'm set free. I'm delivered. I guess it's fine. I guess it's good. It it reminds me of that, you know, that donkey. Remember Eeyore? Yeah, yeah, that's our grass. Some of you young people, they don't know that. (laughs) But Eeyore, you know. What was Eeyore? Is that Winnie the Pooh? sorry okay yeah 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 yo oh is this gonna when he's got the hung the honey but i ain't got nothing to eat but that's okay i'll find something you know just all that stuff walking around like eeyore after we've been delivered no that's not what they did they rejoiced with exclamation and called the work of god amazing and they punctuated it with the explanation what joy joy inexpressible, joy that can't be contained. They were set free from captivity. They came back and they got back what was taken from them. They experienced the grace and mercy of God in such a way that all they could do was rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. I'll tell you a story here. Pounding hammers and whirring saws were Jim Patusta's tools of trade. Oh, Papusta, sorry, Papusta, his tools of trade. I know it sounded funny when it came out. (laughs) But when winter weather halts his work, the Chicago Heights, Illinois builder heads to the Dominican Republic knowing a new adventure awaits him. Jim first traveled to the island with one of his workers. His workers, Victor Rodriguez. The Rodriguez family lives in a remote, mountainous, coffee-growing region where narrow, treacherous roads connect the widely scattered villages. Jim stayed for a month, repairing homes and improving water supplies and sanitation. All we could offer was my work. I had my Bible with me, but I couldn't speak much Spanish. Victor did all of the translating. Back home, when they came back, Jim began studying Spanish. When he returned the following winter, he noticed something he had missed before. There were a lot of barefoot kids, too poor to afford even rubber shoes. Before his third trip, Jim asked his church to donate shoes. I expected maybe 50 pairs. I got 250 pairs of shoes. They covered my entire living room. They also filled large coffee bean baskets slung on a mule's back Jim borrowed on his arrival. I trekked up some pretty tricky paths, and with every pair of shoes, I gave away tracts or I gave away Bibles. Then he waited to see what would happen. Jim didn't have to wait long. One afternoon, a boy ran up to him shouting, Christian, Christian, come here. He took me to his house, Jim explains. The memory still fresh. The whole, there, the whole family had gathered on the patio where they dry their coffee beans and they wanted me to read the Bible to them. With his English-Spanish Bible, Jim read key passages phonetically. He spent many days with his new friends who wave him onto their porches to read. Now the shoes have opened doors. Jim can't wait to go back. These people have nothing, yet the simplest things bring them such joy. Hopefully that joy will be be multiplied when they discover what God can give them. The joy they experience from what Jim gave them. Jim is saying, just imagine how they're going to be when they find out what God gives them. And what can God give? What can God give? Family, salvation is here. It is the salvation of God that brings about the joy of the Lord in our hearts. It is the deliverance we experience with the coming of the king, the baby born in a manger. He is our king. He is our savior. But we were not in in captivity. Say, Here's the trick. Did we believe that we were actually captive? Did we actually believe that we were slaves to sin? Hmm. See, here's the thing. This is the thing that's really a, a, an astonishing thing. When you talk about the gospel, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel of Jesus. That's the good news that he had given. How is that good news to a person who doesn't believe they're a sinner. What if you don't think you're a sinner? I don't sin. I don't do anything bad. I'm not a captive. I'm not slave to sin. And then somebody comes up and says, Jesus died for your sins. Yay. Thank you. Thanks, but no thanks. That's not what I need. I don't need forgiveness of sins. I don't sin. I don't do anything mean. I don't do anything bad. I don't do anything wrong. You know, Jesus wants to do me a favor. Jesus can, you know, make things easier. He can help me pay my bills. He can help me put my kids through college. You know, he can do those kinds of things. But you see, that's funny. Because if you look at modern evangelicalism today, that's kind of the message that we're starting to hear. When people are proclaiming the gospel, the gospel now is that Jesus can deliver you from your poverty. Jesus can deliver you from your struggles. Jesus can de- deliver you from the, the, the world that's oppressing you. Jesus can make you know, all these things come, come to pass. He can give you your inheritance now. He can give you all of these types of things. He's doing that. Why, why is that the gospel because we stopped preaching about sin. And if we stop preaching on sin, then we got to figure out what is it that we need to do in order to reach people for God? Yeah, they don't, they don't sin. So if, if the good news is that I got brand new clothes for you because your clothes are dirty, but if you don't believe your clothes are dirty and you believe your clothes are brand new, then brand new clothes may not be that great a news that just gives me something to wear next week and I think that's how we see the gospel yeah okay it's good that Jesus died for my sins that's something that I can deal with when I die so instead of seeing Christianity as our entire life we see Christianity as our retirement policy I'm good if I die I'm good and we see that that's the only thing that Christ has done. Do we believe that we are in captivity? That we were in sin? People may say, well, you know what, Shane? I don't think we were. Yes, we were. John chapter 8, verse 34. John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin." Yeah, Jesus is making it clear. You don't think you're captive? You don't think you're a slave? Yep, yep. You are a slave to sin. Acts chapter 8 verse 23. Acts 8, 23. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. Were we captive? Yeah. See, we think we need deliverance from the things of this world from the things that we don't like, from what we believe to be oppressing us from what the Jews believed was the Romans, fill in the blank. What is it? We think our enemy is just the the difficulties in life, but the enemy is sin. Sin is the thing that's keeping us captive. We're captive to sin. And what an awful master it was. When we receive the law, we receive the burden. When you see the reality of the law, we see the reality of the burden. Then the Holy Spirit brings us to the place where we are realized, where we're coming to the place where we realize that the wages of sin is death. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then when we see that, we recognize the good news of salvation. And this good news, man, if you really, really think about it, Think about all the things that we have done against God in rebellion. All the things that we have done against God because of our sin nature. All the horrible things that we have done. And that he would send his son to die while we were yet sinners. Christ died. Family, this is too good to be true. Seriously, too good to be true. Here's a person that's done done some amazingly horrible things to you. They've said things about you, said things about your family, did things to you, got you fired from your job. This person has done some amazingly awful, horrible things to you. And God says, the only way this person is going to go to heaven is if you give your son Scott to die for this person. Wait a minute. You want me to give my son, my daughters? You want me to give one of my kids to put them to death to pay for this guy so he could go to heaven? (laughs) I mean, what if that's the choice? (laughs) I'll tell you right now, sorry. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. I'm not giving my son up as a sacrifice for you family this is too good to be true that things that they've done and even when they gave God gave his son we still rejected him Spit in his face, punched him in the face, whipped him, beat him, nailed him to the cross. Family, this is too good to be true. Galatians chapter five verse one galatians five one for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Acts chapter thirteen verse thirty nine Everyone who believes in him is made right in god 's sight, something the law of Moses could never do luke four eighteen The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. This is why we got more to rejoice, more for joy. We got this by the Father in His great mercy who sent His Son to come into this world to save sinners. The Lord has come in a, as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. The Lord has come. Family, follow the star. It's not a salvation that came from the decree of Cyrus, but this is the gift of the one and only Son of the living God. This is so inexpressible. This is why the only way we can express it is to sing. This, this is Christ the King whose shepherds guard and angels sing. Joy So much so, joy, so much so, joy welling up in the hearts of his people during this time that we sing, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. This is why we sing, Christ is the Lord, O praise, his name forever, his power and his glory evermore proclaimed. But not only is this amazing. So amazing that we can't contain ourselves. It's too good to be true. It's got to be a dream. And the only way we can express it is to sing. But not only this, but the nations, all the nations became a fan of this. Do you know how we know? Because this wasn't just a salvation that came to Jerusalem. It wasn't a salvation that just came to uh, Judea. It's a salvation that came to the ends of the earth. Do you know how I know that? Because I'm a Christian. We got to remember, as hard as as it is for us to think about this, we do know that Christianity wasn't started in America, it didn't start in Los Angeles, it didn't start in New York. It didn't start in Chicago. Sorry, Donna. It spread throughout the whole world. But watch this. It's so much more. See, they were delivered from captivity and all the nations that were around them celebrated, right? They became a fan of God. But it's not just that. For us in Christianity, yeah, all the nations came. Nations, all of the world came to see this awesome thing. Christians all over the world were mesmerized. People all over the world are still celebrating this amazing thing that happened. But did you know that it's not just the nations, but the angels... The angels are in awe and wonder of the salvation that God had given. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, they were told that the messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. It's not just a nation. But the angels are up there in heaven going, oh my Lord, this is fantastic. This is incredible. Do you know that it's the angels? These guys go to and fro. They go from heaven to earth. They go back and forth. These angels are seeing the amazing wonders of stuff that happened. These these guys have seen everything. Think about it, right? They've seen everything. They're seeing God, Jesus, sitting at the right-hand throne of the Father with those creatures with eyes all over them. And they're making that low voice, you know, praising the Lord for all eternity. All these things. The angels are seeing this stuff happen. They've seen it all. And even they are looking at the gospel and the salvation of the Lord. And they're looking down on earth going, this is incredible astonishing even those who've seen it all come on family there's no excuse we have more than we could ever have asked for one of my non-christian friends he told me that uh some christians that he knows you know he says man it's just been really difficult because some of these christians that i know they're just they're just not nice people they're just not they're not kind they're just unkind people And he said, you know, Shane, I think about this stuff and you tell me about all these wonderful things that God has done for us. He said, if you really believe that Jesus did all that, why would you be upset at all? Like ever? These things are so wonderful. As a Christian, what would you have to be upset about? You're set for life. You're richer than any person here on earth. You know what, family? I couldn't disagree. Why is this salvation not enough? It's because of sin, family, the confusion, the, dis- the 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 delusion of sin. It's our nature. Why do we go back to what it is that we have been set free from? It is the distractions of the world that keep us going back. It's the temptations of the world that keep us going back into the cage. Do you know how insane sin is? We go back to the cage cuz we want to go back into the cage. But the cage isn't even locked. Because the captors don't have authority to trap you anymore and there's no lock on the cage anymore because Jesus delivered us from that. Do you guys see what the point I'm trying to make? It's not even locked and nobody can hold you in there and yet we want to stay in there? That's the insanity of sin. That's what it is when we go back to sin. We want to go back to the things that the world failed to give us in the first place. They don't have the power to lock us up anymore. Why are we in the cage? No more, family. We've been set free from our captors. They've got no power over us. And yet we sit in despair. That's the insanity of sin. That's the disillusionment of sin. That's the deception of sin. But you today, Christian, all of us today, the gospel has declared, the gospel had made it clear, salvation is here, it's too good to be true, it fills us with laughter, where all we can do is express it in song, the nations everywhere are are just astonished by it. The angels in heaven are astonished by it. What is it? It is the fact that we can be saved today because the mercies of God are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness where sin abounds, their grace abounds even more. And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of the Lord. Yes, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day all according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Jesus came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus man if you believe that we should not be walking around with sour looks on our face lips hanging out walking around swinging our arms looking down because the promises that we have is even more Joy upon joy, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Can't even express it in words that sometimes we've got to express it in song. You know, some some of you know that the outreach that I've started in these last couple of months and I'm reaching out to the world and I'm reaching out in social media and all these types of things. And there are always, a lot of times, some of the non-Christians or atheists are even coming at me and they're saying things like, you know, all these things that you have, all you got is the Bible. And, you know, and I just said, yeah, but it's not just the Bible. It's just books and books upon thousands of books of centuries upon centuries of uh, commentators' history, all this stuff of people talking about the Bible. uh, Just the one thing that we have. Have. What science book exists today that can boast that? And here's the other thing, too, I tell them. It's like there is no science book that I've ever heard. I've never heard of this. I've never heard of somebody opening up a science book Richard by, I mean, written by the, the, the greatest you know, uh, scientists of all time. Read the science book, and after they've done, they slam it down, and they start singing. Oh, praise you, God of evolution. Hymns aren't written. Because of those things. Plays are not written because of those things. Painters don't paint with inspiration because of those things. This is how we express it. This is why the Bible and the truth that we have, the salvation, the gospel, why it's so awesome that when people hear it, they can do nothing but express it with art, artistic, singing, laughter, and celebration. What an amazing work of our Lord. Salvation is here. Go, family, today, in the celebration of the season that we are celebrating right now, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because all the nations celebrate the coming of the King of Kings. Christians, let us all come to the King. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Let us rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. There is so much joy in the world because the Lord has come. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Let's pray. Thank you for listening and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church go to www.cbcaurora.com